0: Section 4 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 9, May 1898. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Notes on some primitive Philippine tribes. By Dean C. Worcester, University of Michigan. Should the Philippine Islands become a permanent possession of the United States or of any other civilized nation, the problem of giving them good government and of developing their enormous latent resources will be by no means a simple one, although it will, in my judgment, be one that will richly repay successful solution. Spain has never seriously attempted to solve it, from the time of its discovery until Now, the archipelago has been one vast plundering ground for her hungry officials. She has conquered so far as greed of gain made conquest desirable or safety demanded it. But there she has stopped. Although it is 377 years since Magellan discovered the Philippines and 334 years since Legaspi began his active campaign against the islanders, there still remain in the great islands luzon and mindanao as well as palawan mindora and the highlands of negros and panay tribes which are as independent of spain as they were when the eyes of the famous discoverer of the passage from the atlantic to the pacific first rested on the mountain peaks of mindanao it was primarily in search of rare or new birds and mammals that i visited the philippines and as that necessarily took me into the wildest and least explored islands i was repeatedly thrown in contact with representatives of these slightly civilized or wholly savage tribes while it would be idle to attempt to give within the limits of the present article any comprehensive account of even those savage peoples among whom i and my companions actually lived brief notes concerning the more important of the tribes in question may not be entirely without interest at the present time without doubt the most primitive of philippine peoples are the aetas or negritos a race of blacks of almost dwarfish stature with flattened noses thick lips and closely curling black hair they are believed and with reason to be the true aborigines of the islands who even at the time of the spanish conquest had begun to go to the wall In the fierce struggle for existence which was then being waged between them and the encroaching malay tribes on the other hand and between the mohammedan and pagan malays on the other at present they are well nigh extinct and in a fair way to become entirely so they seem to be confined to the higher mountain ranges in luzon and negros although it is said that a few of them still exist in the mountains of northwest panay and they may yet be discovered in mindanao we encountered them but once they wander through the forest living for the most part on what they can pick from the trees or dig out of the ground although the men sometimes make use of bows and arrows or rude lances in hunting they sleep wherever night overtakes them often without troubling to build so much as a leaf shelter they are a sickly wretched set their birth rate is said to be steadily falling off and they must be regarded as a rapidly disappearing race. The remaining Philippine tribes, whether pagan, Mohammedan, or Christian, are of Malay extraction, although in some cases there has doubtless been an admixture of Japanese, Chinese, Negrito, or even Papuan blood. The Mangians of Mindoro The most interesting of the Malayan tribes Encountered by us were the mangians who people the interior of mindora although its capital is distant but one hundred twenty miles from manila mindoro is one of the least known islands in the archipelago its pestiferous climate and the unsavory reputation of the renegade tagalogs who inhabit its coasts having combined to discourage exploration while there has been little to encourage exploration on the part of the spanish for the Mangians have nothing to steal and could not well be taxed Mindoro was formerly known as the granary of the philippines on account of the enormous rice crops raised in the fertile lowlands to the east and west of its central mountain chain but the mohammedan pirates from the south preyed upon its civilized inhabitants decimating the population an epidemic nearly exterminated the buffaloes depended on for tilling the soil, and today the once fertile fields have for the most part grown up into forest land, while the coasts are peopled chiefly by escaped criminals from the neighboring islands, who find in the miasma of the forests a most effective ally against the troops which are from time to time sent against them. They band together and organize forays against the peaceable Spanish in native planners. And are a constant terror to the region around even in the days of its greatest prosperity the cultivated district in mindoro was restricted to a belt along the coast the interior of the island stands today as it was in the beginning under the perpetual shadows of the mighty lowland forests and in little clearings on the mountain sides, dwelt a tribe of natives who show little kinship in speech or customs and none whatever, in dress with the remaining Philippine peoples. They are called by the Spanish Magyanes or Maguanes, but I adopt their own pronunciation of their name and call them Magyans. At the time of my first visit, I was unable to learn anything as to conditions in the interior from the half-dozen officials who, with a few friars and a couple of Spanish merchants, constituted the Spanish population of the island. I was informed, however, that the Mangans were headhunters and cannibals. We began our explorations at a most unfortunate time. The rainfall is enormous in this island, and the rains were just beginning at the time of our arrival. The daily showers increased in duration and violence until they became almost continuous, and finally, after thirteen days and nights of uninterrupted downpour, we beat a retreat. We returned to the island a second and yet a third time, however, and profiting by our first experience, began operations at the commencement of the dry season. By utilizing canoes where streams were sufficiently deep, and by tramping along their dry beds when water failed, we were able to quickly penetrate to the very center of the island. We found that most of the surface details given on our charts were incorrect and explored two large rivers where according to the charts no rivers should have been the Mangyans fled at our approach but we eventually succeeded in gaining their confidence and found that the alarming accounts which we had heard of them had very little foundation in fact they proved perfectly harmless when decently treated the men were clad in the usual clout and in that alone the dress of the women is different from that of any other philippine tribe It consists of numerous coils of a cord braided of split rattan, or other similar vegetable substance, wound around the body at the hips and supporting a clout of bark. This bark is made soft by careful pounding between stones, and at a short distance it looks exactly like cloth. The cord is usually stained black, although a kind woven in black and yellow check is especially prized girl babies are provided with two or three coils as soon as they can toddle and the quantity is constantly added to as time goes by so that the appearance presented by some of the old women is ludicrous in the extreme this cord usually constitutes the only earthly treasure of the wearer although the women sometimes ornament themselves with armlets or anklets of twisted rattan and beads made from the seeds of plants coins copper wire and bits of bright metal are highly prized as ornaments but feathers are never used married women are distinguished by the fact that they expose the breasts while unmarried girls cover them with a peel from one of the plantains ornamented with finely braided rattan cord during the dry season the lowland magians often wander through the forest with no fixed place of abode where night overtakes them there they sleep each person making a shelter for himself by cutting off a couple of rattan leaves fastening their butts together and sticking them into the earth at such an angle as to give the leaves a suitable inclination under this quickly extemporized roof he sleeps usually squatting on his heels when a company are planning to remain for several days in one place they sometimes construct low thatched roofs under which they build sleeping platforms of small poles such structures are usually planned so that each accommodates but a single person but they may be large enough for an entire family during the rainy season more elaborate or at least larger structures are erected in which several families not infrequently find shelter but even these more pretentious dwellings are in the case of the lowland magians usually left without sides. The more thrifty mountaineers, however, build tiny huts, which are both roofed and sided with palm or rattan leaves and are provided with a single opening which serves the triple purpose of door, window, and chimney. The cooking, which is of the most primitive sort, is done over an open fire built on a pile of earth in one corner of the hut. Fire is obtained by striking flint With a bit of steel or iron and catching the sparks on a bunch of dry plant hairs when the necessary materials cannot be had for obtaining fire in this way the rubbing together of two ingeniously shaped pieces of dry bamboo speedily accomplishes the desired end as a rule magians live on the forest products which they find at hand the lowland people do not practice agriculture but subsist for the most part on sago, which they get by felling the trees, cutting them into two-foot lengths, splitting these, pounding out the inner fiber with rude wooden mallets, running water through it to wash out the starch, catching the water in large leaves or rude troughs, allowing the starch to settle, and finally drying off the water. The starch may be eaten raw or toasted in an earthenware dish. Sometimes it is rammed, while still damp, into a joint of green bamboo, which is then put in the fire and allowed to remain there until nearly burned through, by which time the mass of sago has been converted into a solid roll, which would make an effective substitute for a policeman's billy. The more vigorous and enterprising mountaineers have begun to practice, after a fashion, the art of tilling the soil they have no other tools than the rude iron knives which they purchase from the coast natives and such wooden implements as they fashion for themselves but with infinite pains they clear away small patches of forest cutting through the trees at some distance from the ground where the trunks are smallest after burning the fell timber so far as practicable they plant sweet potatoes or mountain rice in the ground thus laid bare sweet potato vines grow with such luxuriance as to practically exclude weeds so that a patch once started lasts for several years it should not be supposed however that the mangan is a vegetarian he fashions lance bow and arrows for himself and makes the wooden tips of his weapons tremendously effective by dipping them in a virulent poison no bird or beast is too filthy for him to eat Fish, eagles, herons, carrion, crows, and buzzards are acceptable luxuries, while crocodiles and certain species of snakes are delicacies to be highly prized. The huge white grubs which bore in the trunks of the sago palms are regarded in the light of confectionery. I fancy that the starch with which they are filled turns to sugar as it is digested, giving them a sweet taste, but must admit that I have never demonstrated this point experimentally the Mangyans eat them alive with many evidences of great satisfaction and evidently find the flavor delightful i have seen them devour with satisfaction the flesh of buffaloes which we had killed two or three days before it was swarming with maggots and smelled to heaven but they gorged themselves with it until they could hold no more getting up and running round from time to time in order to stimulate appetite and increase capacity the gruesome meal ended they lay down to sleep it off why it did not kill them i could never make out the lowland magians signal to each other by pounding upon the roots of certain trees with large clubs thereby producing a booming sound which can be heard for several miles under favorable circumstances their standard for measuring distance is based on the carrying power of the human voice, a given thing being so many calls away. Their numerals usually stop at three, but their professors of mathematics are able to count up to 20 by making use of fingers and toes. As they always count in a definite direction, each digit comes to have a permanent numerical value. In annual practice, if we desire to tell a man to return in five days, we used to tie five knots in a bit of rattan and direct him to untie one of them every morning until they were gone and then return. When shown their own photographs, they failed to recognize themselves, although they at once pointed out the likenesses of their friends. They made the most ludicrous attempts to catch or find the persons who stared back at them from our pocket mirrors. Adult women would entertain themselves for hours with rattles which we extemporized by putting a few shot into a small metal box. At Nojon Lake, the people came from miles around to watch the spinning of a top, which we happened to have among our belongings. They are fatalists. The most dire misfortune serves only to call forth the remark, so it is appointed. We never saw the slightest indication of worship of any kind, nor could we learn by the most diligent inquiry that they ever practiced anything of the sort they deny belief in a life after death persons who fall seriously ill are deserted a hut in which a death has occurred is abandoned the corpse and everything in the hut remaining untouched relatives of a deceased person change their names in order to ensure better luck the morals of this simple people are astonishingly good although the women seem utterly destitute of any sense of modesty, unchastity is very unusual, and adultery so rare as not to be provided for in their criminal code. Although they had every opportunity to steal from us, they never took anything but a little tobacco, and even this, they explained, was not exactly thieving, since they put it directly into their mouths and took only enough for their immediate needs. Guilt or innocence is determined by the old fire test, a person against whom there is serious suspicion is compelled to snatch from the fire a piece of hot iron they profess to believe that if he is innocent he will not be burned the death penalty is not inflicted a murderer forfeits his property to the relatives of his victim polygamy is lawful for those who can afford it all we could learn of the marriage ceremony was that the old folks get together and talk The few half-hearted attempts which have thus far been made to civilize the Mangians have proved abortive. The priest at Nojan told me with deep disgust of the reply of a Magyan to whom he had attempted to demonstrate the benefits of civilization and Christianity. The unregenerate savage had replied that if he adopted civilization and became a Christian, it would cost money to be born, money to be allowed to live money to marry, money to die, and money to be buried, and he considered himself better off as he was. Inasmuch as his statement of the case was strictly correct, and as it was my observation that morality increased among the Philippine natives as the square of the distance from Spanish centers of civilization, I could not but feel that this mountain philosopher had decided wisely. The Tag Banuas of Palawan palawan or as the spaniards call it la paragua is the westernmost of the philippine islands although some three hundred miles long it is very narrow and there are a score of points where it could be crossed in a day so that the only difficulties attending its exploration would be the obtaining of porters and food the fact remains however that little is known about the island the only spanish settlement is a penal colony at Puerta Princesa, the capital of the island, although there are a few little military outposts in the southern and western districts. The island is covered with magnificent forest, in which are to be found many woods of great value. There are also numerous mines of damar, which are worked a little by the natives. Like most of the large islands in the Philippines, Palawan has a central mountain chain extending in the direction of its greatest length, toward the south the mountains are covered to their summits with vegetation but at the north they are as jagged and bare as our own rockies three tribes inhabit palawan these are the moros or piratical mohammedans of the south the mountain-dwelling bataks of the north who are said to resemble the papuans and the tagbanuas who occupy the central portion of the island and the northern coast region Three distinct dialects are spoken by the tagbanuas alone, and I was informed that in one instance the inhabitants of two towns fifteen miles apart did not understand each other. Mr. John Foreman in his excellent book on the Philippines has rightly said that the tagbanuas are little known. He further informs us that they never bathe intentionally and that they eat their fish and flesh raw apropos of their not bathing i may say that the river in front of our house in iwahig was full of children half the time in spite of the crocodiles while an afternoon stroll along the bank of a small stream near the village was quite sufficient to have convinced the most skeptical observer that men and women also bathe upon occasion while I am not prepared to say that foremen did not see them eat their fish and flesh raw, it is certainly true that during my sojourn among them, I never knew them to touch uncooked animal food. The men are of medium height and are often fairly well developed physically, although skin diseases, digestive troubles, fevers, and starvation keep many of them in wretched condition. Young girls are frequently possessed of considerable comeliness, but they often marry in childhood and they mature and age rapidly. The Tagbanuas are a dark skinned people. With many of them, the hair shows a decided tendency to curl. It seems probable that they are a hybrid Eita Mele race. Their dress is a rather unsafe subject for generalization. Many of the men wear clout alone. In the south, where they have come more or less in contact with moros, they have in some instances adopted the trousers, tight jacket, and turban of the latter tribe. While near Puerto Princesa, a few of the men are the proud possessors of cast-off articles of European dress. In approaching the Spanish town, they carry their fine clothing under their arms until at its outskirts, and then dress beside the road. Women, when at work, where a strip of cloth wound around the body and reaching from waist to knee. Most of them possess, in addition, a longer skirt and a semi-transparent shirt for state occasions. Agriculture is more commonly practiced than among the Mangians, but many of the men live, for the most part, in the forest, where they hunt, trap, and search for damar, wild honey, and wax. The structures in which they make their abode At such times hardly deserve the name of houses. They consist of leaf roofs with a platform of poles underneath and are usually large enough to accommodate an entire family. Under the sleeping platform, a smudge is maintained to drive away insect pests, and it is common to see a whole family squatting contentedly in smoke that would asphyxiate a white man. A few empty coconut shells some baskets for burden-bearing and two or three earthen pots complete the list of household effects. Unlike the manyans, they work iron to some extent, constructing rude forges with piston bellows made from large bamboo stems. Although much of the tag-banua's time is necessarily spent in the forest, he is naturally social, and especially during the long rainy season, he seeks the society of his fellows, returning to his hut in some one of the numerous large villages. The village houses are built of bamboo, nipa palm and rattan, and differ from those of the civilized natives only in their smaller size, and in being perched at a much greater elevation above the ground. One often sees a young couple working away contentedly at their future home, with no other tools in their fingers and a rude knife. In the villages near Puerto Princesa, there exists a travesty of the form of local government found among the civilized tribes, each village being presided over by a gobernadorcillo or petty governor, assisted by a justice of the peace and other more or less useless officials. No taxes are collected, however, and few burdens are imposed on these partially civilized tagbanuas by the Spanish who are trying to gradually accustom them to the yoke in the hope of eventually bringing them to the full dignity of citizenship which to the philippine native means merely the paying of crushing taxes without receiving any adequate return a little distant from the spanish town i found the people friendly and unsuspicious they informed me that in the early days they were governed by a great chief chosen by the will of the people Who held office for life if he proved a good ruler his eldest son was allowed to succeed him otherwise a new chief was chosen at present however there is no ruler for the whole tribe the affairs of each community are directed by a council of elders who administer justice according to their own ideas with little regard for spanish customs and requirements the method employed to determine the guilt or innocence of a person accused of crime is both novel and effective the old men conduct accused and accuser to the bank of some deep pool and there in the presence of relatives and friends the two dive into the water at the same instant the one who remains longest beneath the surface is adjudged to have spoken the truth theft is punished by the infliction of a fine equivalent To twice the value of the stolen article if the culprit be too poor to pay the fine he is whipped a murderer is killed by the relatives and friends of his victim in a case of adultery an injured husband may kill both his wife and her paramour but may not kill the one and not the other if not murderously inclined he can collect a heavy fine a father with marriageable daughters sets a price upon each Whoever wishes to marry one of them must pay the price demanded. Should a father object on personal grounds to a suitor willing to pay the prescribed price, he must himself pay a fine to the suitor by way of balm to his injured feelings. Child marriage seems to be the rule. Women are apparently less numerous than men, and their hands are much in demand. A curious reversal of the state of affairs exists in the island of Cuyo, where it is said that more than 90% of the population are women. This remarkable result is not due to any abnormality in the birth rate, but rather to the fact that the men all run away as soon as they get large enough. The Tagbuanua women are well treated and are allowed a considerable amount of personal liberty, but are expected to do their full share of hard work. It is not unusual for a woman to bathe and go about her customary duties the day after bearing a child the Tagbanuas have a secret medicine for use at the time of childbirth the nature of which they guard with the most jealous care when a death occurs the relatives set a time for the funeral at the appointed hour the house of the deceased is torn down and his body is carried to the woods and buried in the earth dishes and earthen pots belonging to him are broken over the grave to mark it. The Tagbanuas have a simple syllabic alphabet, which is in common use. The characters are scratched on smooth joints of bamboo in vertical columns. Much might be added in regard to each of the people discussed, but enough has been said to give some idea of the methods of life and of the general characteristics of two fairly typical savage Philippine tribes. What holds true of them will hold in a general way mutatis mutandis of the other wild peoples they are as a rule extremely ignorant but harmless and inoffensive so long as they are well treated they will afford an interesting problem in civilization to the nation whose flag is in future to float over their islands they will also afford a most interesting study to the anthropologist and it ought to be made before the record of the daily life the thoughts and the ideals of these harmless and simple children of nature has been forever blotted out by the encroachment of that new order of things which is sure to follow when the blight of spanish domination is finally removed from the islands End of section four.